This is the Tabernacle Podcast with John Vermilia and me, Britton Bishop. What's up, John? Good morning, sir. Good morning. Um, I feel like I'm having a hot flash. <laughs> I know you came in. Is it hot in here? Which usually I would agree with that question no matter. Yeah. But. But we're in the basement mm-hmm. and it's usually cool. And I don't know. I mean, random places. You think the vent we cut into the ceiling, right? There. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, the other day I was telling my wife I'm hot, and she goes, it's not hot in here. And when I walked into the lobby today, Tim, I said, man, it's hot. And it's, it's like human, it's stuffy in here. And right. Tim is like, no, it's not. And he's in a sweatshirt, <laughs> you know. And and then I was reminded that my wife said, You're, you, it's your hormones. I'm like, I'm a dude. She goes, you have hormones too. And then so they begin this fiasco of a conversation that I have menopause <laughs> or whatever, 52 years old, got menopause. Uh, Anyways, on another note, somebody told me, somebody on staff, I don't want to say his name because we might throw punch him, but he was saying that he always skips the first five minutes of the podcast. What is that about? I don't know, but if I knew who it was in normal conversations, I will skip the first five minutes of those conversations. (laughs) So, because... Uh, no, that I bet, is I the bet best you could comeback. Open it up yeah. to guess to guesses, and I bet I could guess first try. Okay, skips the first five. Skips minutes. first first five minutes. Martin Rizzi. Martin Rizzi. Let's it go. Was Martin Rizzi. <laughs> it was Martin Rizzi. I knew it. One hundred percent. He's all business. He He's wants to get business. down to business. Yeah, so, he just wants. Which, a, hey, if anybody listened to the last episode, if you skip the first five minutes, you miss some gold yeah. with Larry Kate. He took Absolutely. us to DefCon Four. Yeah, in an instant. Immediately. Like, yeah, we just got yeah. here, Larry. Why are we already crying, man? I don't even yeah. really know you. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. He had uh, me crying, man. That was, was awesome. It was awesome. So, But in that regard, because some people do when we get to the end, they forget. Let's do the stuff at the beginning. Yeah. Let's do, I mean, you Absolutely. were saying we need more people uh, if they're willing to subscribe. On, on YouTube. The, on YouTube. Well, yeah. Why is that? Can you explain? Well, if you subscribe on YouTube, the goal would be to get to a certain amount of subscribers. And once we reach that number, which would be a thousand subscribers on YouTube, we would get our own URL, which seems... Like, not a big deal. But right now, our URL is like random numbers and letters that YouTube has generated for us. Whereas, in the future, if we get a 1,000 subscribers, it will be YouTube.com slash The Tab Church. Oh, nice. But you don't get one of those until you have enough followers. And nice. I know we have more than a 1,000 people that go to our church, that listen to our services, Wait, that no doubt. listen to the podcast. If they would all just subscribe. On YouTube. And then make an account for their grandma and subscribe for her. No doubt. We'd oh, be there. Oh, perfect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and even if you don't let your kids on YouTube yet, make accounts for them too. Yep. Just, subscribe. Just so that it'll be there when they're ready. Exactly. So come on, Tab. Yep. Give, us a, give us a hand subscribe here. Subscribe yeah. there. Um, also, if you listen on Spotify, um, we have video available on Spotify now. We're one of the few podcasts actually on Spotify. That's not even a crazy church over over exaggeration. Some of the podcasts that I looked at for inspiration um, when we were building this um, secular podcasts and they still don't and I, maybe it's strategic maybe we're doing it wrong who knows mm. we probably are but they don't have video on spotify yet and we offer full episode videos on spotify as well which pumps I me up seen that yet matthew Corey hughes slayed that lord so, matthew Corey hughes absolutely. he is a scottish lord that's a longer story but <laughs> we'll, we'll save it for him Well, maybe he could tell it on here yeah it changed life story yeah. matthew hughes yeah he shreds a guitar he can sing yep uh husband to victoria Gentleman, scholar, tech wizard, and you didn't know this, he's a Scottish lord, or laird, as it's known. And if this podcast had a dad, it would be him. There you go. Executive producer. (laughs) Yeah. Or something. Something big. And then, uh, what else? We're going to say it at the end anyways, but hey, shout out Dublin General Store. Dublin General Store. Best brat I've ever had. Best brat I've ever had. You brought brats. 
to Saturday night service yep. uh, last week for the rehearsal. And I had one, I had two, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to lie. So if you were here on Saturday, well, if there was a particular <laughs> Saturday night and you were like, man, John's a little sluggish. I had a brat and a half before the service. One of them was full of cheese, I think. Potatoes and cheese. There was potatoes in it? Yeah. But it was it's meat though, level, right? Yeah. yeah, it was meat with potatoes and yeah. cheese. But the one that got my attention had jalapeno. Yep. Whoa. So good. Next level. Yep. So shout out Dublin General Store in Wellston. Dublin General Store in the place no for me. No free shout outs. No free shout outs. No free shout outs. But that's the place for me. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Jerky, brats, you name it. They got steak there? Oh, yeah. They got steaks? Yep. Mm. All of it. I wonder if they put jalapeno in steaks. Oh, you probably can't do that. that, yeah. that would, it's only in the sausage and Correct. the brat. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Now I'm hungry. Sweet. Same. I was noticing, though, a lot of our uh, sponsors that were actually achieving are food-based, which is probably an issue, but uh, we'll take it. <laughs> yeah, we got to, we're going to have to get like a Planet Fitness. Nah, no, no, <laughs> no, 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 don't need it. Pass. Don't, pass. Thanks, Planet Fitness. Uh, Keep running. It. Yeah. Keep running. Absolutely. Keep lifting. We're over here not sweating. <laughs> except well, are, except yeah. for me because I'm having a hot flash. Well, uh, sweet. Will you want to get into this? Let's do it. Well, I figured today for uh, today's episode, um, we would knock out kind of the last installment of our DNA series. So that's something that people have been kind of journeying through us. It's kind of been a long form series that we've been doing, but we've talked about how at the tabernacle, we allow the Holy Spirit to be the Holy Spirit. We talked about big rocks. We talked about change lives. Um, we talked about why we go after men. Um, cracked pots. Yeah. Cracked yeah. pots. We covered a ton of it. And I think today this is a good little bow to put on top is we're going to spend some time just digging into the DNA piece of our church, which is a key DNA piece and one that was highly attractional to me when I was just looking at this church as um, a potential home was this concept that we're going to challenge everyone to be dominoes. And so break that down a little bit before we jump in. Absolutely. So um, the domino theory, as it's known, we're not talking about the uh, geopolitical American you know, theory trying to prevent communism mm -hmm. right in the 50s and 60s. Um, this was inspired. I was actually listening to someone else, uh, doing a presentation, preaching, teaching, whatever you want to call it. It was a seminar here at the tabernacle. Dwight Robertson was speaking and he was talking about laborers and how all of us needed to be laborers. Now that's based out of Matthew chapter nine, where, uh, Jesus, uh, gives the one and only prayer request we see in all four gospels. Uh, he sees the crowds, he has compassion on them. And it says, uh, he turned to his disciples and said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send more workers into his harvest field. And I've heard that a thousand times. My parents were missionaries. I grew up on the mission field. I, my wife and I were sports missionaries for a good decade. Um, used that a thousand times. But then Dwight started talking about how, the how. And he uh, talked about playing dominoes with his grandmother, I think. Or, or maybe his mom. And um, and he was talking about how the, the, the most fun you can have with dominoes is not actually to play the game. It's to stack them up in a line mm -hmm. and then knock one down and watch them go. And all of a sudden, a light bulb went off in my head and I stopped listening. <laughs> and I got out a piece of paper out of the back of my Bible and I wrote a message purely based on that, a sermon based on that. And I've had the privilege to preach it all over the world. Um, and literally all over the world in yeah. Europe, in Asia, wherever I've been, you know, this is one of the four that I would do if I had a four sermon weekend. So, um, the first place I preached it though, was in the tabernacle and, um, that became a DNA piece and it also became, um, 
one of the keys to why our church began to grow so rapidly. So a lot of scriptures coming at you fast and furious. Mm -hmm. First was um, that Matthew chapter 9. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus tells us, go and make disciples of all nations. That's the mission. We're we're supposed to love God, love people, and make disciples. He says it again in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that you will be my witnesses uh, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the ends of the earth. But most people, when they hear, hey, go and make a disciple, go and be my witness, they freak out. And they say, well, I can't do that. Well, Britton can do that because he's a big guy and he knows more verses than I do and he can preach and that's not for me. Well, the key verse that unlocked that for me was Acts chapter 4, verse 13. And uh, it's it's, uh, right near the beginning of the establishment of the church. And um, Peter and John are preaching in the same city that crucified Christ. And they're doing it with boldness, and people are being attracted to the gospel, and the church is growing. And the council, the very people that condemned Jesus to die, uh, dra- you know, drag these guys before them, and they're questioning them, and they speak with boldness. And so it says in Acts four thirteen, it says, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Mm. And so right there jumped off the page to me that that's the qualification to be used by God to bring people to Christ. Because if you look at different translations, some of them will say ignorant, Mm -hmm. ordinary, unschooled, illiterate. You know, in the ESV, it said uh, common and uneducated. Is that the same in the the CBD Bible? Uneducated and untrained. Uneducated and untrained. Yeah. But the key was... (laughs) I mean, CSB, sorry. What did I say? CBD? Yeah. Well, you know, you know. Uh, the key was they'd been with Jesus. Yeah. And so- Which I got a shameless plug, sorry. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. June or July 25th to the 28th, Camp 22, uh, founders going to camp with a few other churches from the Traverse City area. You just nice. heard the announcement this weekend. That's the theme verse. 413? Exactly. Nice. Yeah, because the that concept of if we can get students- in this generation to understand that it has nothing to do with other, anything other than the fact that you've been with Jesus. Perfect. And so that's the theme. So, hey, if you're a parent listening to this, you're like, man, I want my kid to hear about that, to learn about that. Send him to camp July 25th to the 28th, and uh, we're going to talk about it. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I, had, I had no idea you nope. guys were doing that. Yeah. I mean, I knew about the camp. Right. I'm not that unplugged. Yep. But that concept's not just true for students. Mm-hmm. It's true for adults because I run into adults all the time. They've been Christians their whole life, and they've never been a domino. So back to the domino thing. If if you're not watching this, maybe you can imagine a bunch of dominoes uh, uh, set up in a line. Well, if at the end of that line is the cross, the end of that line is the moment someone gets saved, there's hundreds, maybe even thousands of potential domino moments that lead up to someone making a decision to receive Christ, to trust Christ with their life. And it's normally not one person that brings that person all the way down the domino chain. Mm-hmm. God uses different people at different times because God's in charge of this process. Another verse that, um, you know, when we teach this in a long form is John chapter 6, verse 44, where Jesus is talking and he says, no one can come to me unless my Father in heaven draws him first. I mean, I mean, think about that. that that's, a, that's a pretty unique and powerful statement. Yeah. So the implications, I, I mean, so... So whether you're Calvinist or Arminian or, or Calminian like I am, right, somewhere in mm-hmm. between, I believe in the sovereignty of God and the free will of man, and I don't think they're in conflict. Jesus is saying for someone to even come to him, 
God has to draw him first. And so the implication of that is that God's drawing people and I start looking around me and I don't know who he's drawing and who he's not drawing, but there's more verses in second Corinthians. Uh, I wrote it down here. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 20. It says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors or his representatives as though Christ is making his appeal through us. And so God's in charge of this process, the, the, the domino chain of people coming to him, but the individual dominoes are you and me. Mm-hmm. They're young and old. And the qualification, going back to 413, is these are people who have been with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so hypothetically, just to see how this works, someone's born, they're not from a Christian home, they don't have any Christian influence whatsoever, except an, an estranged grandmother, right, who lives on the other side of the country. But it starts with her praying for her her estranged grandchild that she's never even met. I'm making up this story, Mm -hmm. right? But she's praying and she's asking God, God, would you do something? Would you, I don't even know this child's name. I never, you know, my kids moved away and I never got to even meet this child, so forth and so on. The kid lives in a godless part of the United States. Oh, let's say California. (laughs) Not Northern California. I got friends there, right? Okay, but just wherever. Uh, When she's young though, a domino invites her, invites this child uh, to go to a summer camp, right? And it's a summer camp at a church. Well, for the first time, she hears about God, right? And her parents just let her go because they're glad to get her out of the house, right? <laughs> when she comes home, they're like, no, we're not going to church. No, we're not interested in that. You know, but the six-year-old was at a camp, a little day camp, and that's where she first heard about Jesus. Fast forward to she's 15 years old, right? Some other kid invites her to go to youth group. You know, it's at the one church in California. Because in my mind, there's only one church out there, right? <laughs> and so they invite her to go to youth group, right? Where the music is cool and a guy named Britton Bishop is speaking. And she's like, I didn't know dudes could come that, could come all the way from Michigan uh, with a beard that size and have it be legal behind a mask or whatever it is, right? <laughs> right. And there's something about you that she's enamored by, Right. Well, someone else says, uh, you, can, you can listen to this guy uh, every week on the Tabernacle podcast. You see how I'm making this up, right? She starts listening. She's listening right now. We start talking about the gospel, and all of a sudden, she hears, oh, it's that simple, uh, how to receive uh, Christ. So who gets the credit in that short, stupid story, right. right? Was it the praying grandmother? Was it the kid that invited her for the first time when she was six that kind of laid that foundation? Was it the person that invited her to hear Britton Bishop speak? Was it Britton Bishop? Obviously. No, I'm uh, kidding. <laughs> or was it Benjamin Vermilia over in the corner right. producing the podcast that she was listening to and randomly yeah. made this, you know. By the way, in the rest of the story, she went and found her grandmother and they <laughs> ate pie together, right? So I know that's a cheese uh, factor, but every person is the result, or sorry, every Christian is the result of some sort of a domino chain of events and people yeah. that God orchestrated but they were obedient. They mm-hmm. gave God their yes. Some of them big ways, some of them small ways, some of them out front like you, some of them behind the scenes. Yeah. So in essence, that's the long version, or that's the short version of the domino DNA stuff. Yeah. And I think too, it's, it's, there's some key characteristics to dominoes that I think we'll hit on today because we spent some time over the past few weeks um, at the end of the semester with with Foundry Student Ministries just digging into what does it look like to go be a domino in the everyday spaces and places, you know. 
And uh, there are some characteristics that Jesus shows us um, in, in his ministry and in his life and in his interactions with his disciples and with his followers and even with people that are just showing up on accident and don't know why they're there and Jesus changes everything for them. Right. But um, but I think even within all that, I just think to my own story. And like when you tell that that story of the girl, right, the made-up girl, but it's like, man, there are so many instances along the way of Thor Burnside, Right. I don't even. I That's think, really his name, Thor. One hundred percent. Wait, is, yeah. he's a he. Yes. Thor. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, don't know where he's at now. I think he's getting married soon. But in eighth grade, he said, "Hey, do you want to go to this camp called False Creek?" And I was like, "Ah, eh, yeah, sure. It's a week. I don't have to do any sweet. Yeah, man. I need friends." But then I'm like, "Wait a second. Well, we can't. It's an expensive camp. It's one of those church camps." Oh, and gotcha. so I send a little Facebook message. Still have it on my phone. Uh, to the youth pastor of that church. Hey, don't know if I'll be able to come for this reason. Don't let that be a reason. So then, okay, now somebody gave to that church. Domino. Right. They gave money to send a kid to camp. I was that kid that got to go to camp. I go to camp. I hear the gospel presented for the first time. I I am receptive to it to an extent, um, mm-hmm. which I've told all this in my change life right. story, right? Then eighth grade ends, and I kind of dabble a little bit, go to church every now and then, whatever game I need to play. Everybody's heard the story. Go to college. Do the whole thing. Guy named John comes. Opposite direction domino. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Opposite direction domino. No, yeah. But uh, so just because all of, those are real. Right. Not every domino falls towards Christ. Sometimes mm-hmm. we can be a negative domino. Right. Yeah. But, I feel your rebuke. I'm kidding. Yeah. No, no, no. Every <laughs> single time. I mean, I got to work on not being a negative domino. You got to work on forgiveness. So, yeah. okay. So, just so keep going. Yeah. 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 Uh, I am going to tell that story this summer at FCA camp. I, like, hope I know so. a lot of you out there. Yeah. Yeah. Guy, yeah. You know, uh, yeah. But anyways, you just think through all those stories of, okay, eighth grade camp, Thor invites me, and then now I, I've went to church a few times, and then this girl in the quad invites me, a uh, named Erica, and I went because there's free, and by the grace of God, the person that made that food, who had mm-hmm. no idea why they were cooking that food, but that was a huge attractional piece that got me to church. Right. And so I went to church for free food, and then I heard the gospel presented in a way that I've never heard it presented with passion and with, sound like this dude actually believed what he was saying and gave my life to Christ, and then I meet this guy named Trey. And then he starts this process of discipleship, but that's not the end of it, right? And then I go and I meet some other mentors and some other people, and I go to a year-long or a summer-long training thing. It felt like a year. Right, yeah. (laughs) And I meet some other people through this summer training, and now, okay, now I want to read the Bible. And Mm. But this is this whole story of dominoes along the way. And when I look back and you say it like that, it's like, okay, so who gets the credit? Right. Well, I can tell you one thing that none of that all happens the way it did if there's not a God that's drawing all this out, that's yeah. playing the long game, right? Yeah. And there's there's the the flesh person in me that wants to see the immediate response, especially being in student ministry. It's really easy to get discouraged at times. Yeah. Um, I, I think that well, that's something we talk about with our leaders at Foundry is seeds planted is victory, right? Because what the first or second Corinthians, it says, uh, neither the one that plants nor the one who waters causes the growth, but only God. Right, And so just that whole concept of as a student ministry, our goal is we're just going to plant a seed. And whether that grows here and that kid gives their life to Christ, follows Jesus like crazy, starts inviting their friends at school, and we see revival break out in Manistee or in Buckley, praise God. Or that kid goes to college and makes a lot of mistakes, probably gets in trouble with the law. But then someday along the way ends up being a preacher in northern Michigan. Mm. Who's to say that that wasn't the way it needed to happen, right? Was that scholarship wasted on the eighth grader that no, didn't spend no, 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 ninth no. through twelfth grade doing that? And so I think that there's just some incredible pieces to domino stories. And if you're listening to this, man, one of the most powerful things I've ever done is I sat down and wrote all that down. 
because it's so easy to forget how faithful God is in those journeys. And we'll get into what it looks like to be a domino. But I think it's important, too, for the Christian listening to this to remember that you've been dominoed. You've been dominoed. Yeah. And it's and once you see all those pieces put together, for me, it serves as an encouragement to want to get in the game and be a domino. Right. Right. See, I plug both of those. Yeah. Right yeah. There. Oh, yeah. But, uh. <laughs> well, 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 so if you look at the domino thing and, and, and when I get a chance to teach it in a long form, usually what I do is I'll stack up the dominoes and I'll put the cross in the middle because there's a whole bunch of dominoes that lead us to Christ. But then there's also a whole bunch of dominoes after Christ in the, our discipleship journey. And for someone like myself, you know, I became a Christian at a pretty young age, um, but there still have been dominoes in my life, dominoes that got me into ministry, dominoes that moved me along closer uh, to, to be more and more Christ-like. Um, and, and, and domino events, it, specifically when we're talking about dominoes, we're talking about people, mm-hmm. but there can be domino events as well. Yeah. Like, and, and those you can really see God's hand yeah. working. Um, but yours began your story with a guy named Thor and the groundwork was laid. And I would say that student ministry isn't just about seeds because not every kid goes to college and makes a whole bunch of mistakes. Mm-hmm. Student ministry for some, it's the seed began to germinate it, right. it, and it, it you know began to grow. And so sometimes it's watering. Yeah. So both of those are happening or nurturing or whatever you do. With, I don't plant. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, I was thinking about even when you were talking uh, uh, something like this podcast, that's not a shameless plug. So our last podcast um, was uh, uh, was an interview with Larry Kate. Mm-hmm. And a big part of his change life story, remember, had to do with alcoholism yeah. and his own struggle with that. Well, randomly, as that podcast, the day that podcast was dropped, I decided to share it with a friend who has recently been in rehab um, who is in the program is trying to, you know, rid himself of this addiction. And I just said, Hey man, um, this would be a good one to listen to. He, he hasn't listened to a lot of them. Uh, he's listened to some of our podcasts, the ones that interest him, but he was like, yeah, maybe I'll check that out. Well, it just so happened as it just so happened on that day, he had a horrible day. He had a horrible day. And, um, actually left work. It was so bad. Um, at the way he told me, uh, he, he, he wanted to go straight to drink that mm-hmm. day. But instead, on the way back from uh, work, he popped in the podcast and was wrecked and encouraged yeah. and blessed and strengthened and texted me, man, I needed that today. See, those just so happens. That's God being in charge, but it still takes us mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm not trying to slap myself on the back i had no idea he was going to have a right. bad day but i texted him that day a link by the way to the youtube yeah i didn't say subscribe <laughs> i should have yeah but those are domino moments yeah. in someone's life and i think we sell ourselves short see my my pet peeve or one of my pet peeves when it comes to encouraging people in the church whether they're students or adults to share their faith is what they think sharing their faith looks like. And so they immediately dismiss it. Mm-hmm. Well, somehow in the early 2000s, the mid 2000s, or the, the you know, 2000 teens, whatever, the tabernacle people started believing that they could be dominoes. Yeah. We had domino necklaces, domino t- 
tokens. I mean, we gave out dominoes when we talked about it. When you went through merge, you got dominoes. But more important than that, people were living it. Yeah. And story after story of, 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 of someone that came to Christ began with someone believing they could be a domino. Yeah. You know? And so, um, you know, I'm thinking about our campus in Manistee. Uh, I'm thinking about the ongoing growth here in Buckley. I'm thinking about the hope one day to have a third campus, maybe in Cadillac. It's going to be with dominoes, yeah. with people that invite, with people. Well, I'm getting ahead of the story because yeah. you and the, and the students went off in a whole direction on what a domino looks like yeah. besides that. So go ahead. For sure. And uh, I, I think just there's some key key scriptures that, that point to this. So the first one that comes to mind um, is in uh, John 4. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay, see? So there's a quick one if you need to find it quickly. Uh, <laughs> preachers still use it sometimes. In John 4, um, I love the the vernacular that's used here. Uh, Jesus is Jesus and the woman at the well, and he's he's going. Uh, everybody, not everybody, I'm not going to say that, but a lot of people have heard this story. But the, And I've read this a ton of times, and I've studied Scripture, and I've preached this sermon. But as I was teaching it to Foundry, this phrase stuck out to me in John chapter 4, verse 4. Um, he had to travel through Samaria. Hmm. And you start thinking about that and you're like, Jesus didn't had to do anything. Right. When you think about the Christ, the son of God, Jesus didn't had to do anything, but there's an intentionality to this that. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the property that Jacob had given his son. Joe. And then the whole thing unfolds and Jesus meets this woman at noon which is when no one else goes to the well, right? Mm-hmm. And this woman goes there for a purpose. And if you go read the story for yourself, she's outcast. She's a woman that's been with multiple men. She's had five husbands, one you're with us in years or whatever. And, uh, and Jesus encourages this woman and he was intentional and he took time to be with this individual. But because the key piece to that as well is he's tired. They just sent the disciples into town to get supplies and he's, they just got off this long journey, mm-hmm. but he had to go through Samaria. I've never saw that before. And that's just like, whoa. And then you continue reading and you see how Jesus' intentionality to be a domino and introduce this woman to the gospel and tell her, listen, this well you're drinking from, you're going to be thirsty again, but, but I've came to offer water that you'll never thirst again and, and all of this incredible stuff. And then in verse 28, then the woman left her water jar, went into town and told the people. I love that. Jesus had to go through Samaria. This whole conversation unfolds in the next 22 verses or so. And then in verse 28, tell them, then the woman left her water jar, went into town and she told the people. Yeah. And then it continues and there's, and, and then the people meet Jesus and they say, it's no longer just because of what you've said, but there's an intentionality to that word had mm-hmm. that I, that with the students, it was like, we've got to go here. Yeah. We've got to look at this word. We've got to look at this story through this lens that this wasn't an accident. This wasn't by, by chance. Jesus had to go through Samaria. And whenever you look at the cultural implications here of Jesus being a Jew and this mm-hmm. woman being a Samaritan. And this is a one, this is a racial tension that it's a racial no, no. Right. Yeah. It's, I mean, wars have been fought over the, the these races and she's a woman, he's a man, which in so that there's time a social no, no. Yeah. She's an outcast woman that's had multiple husbands. He's a rabbi. So even associating with her could, could make him ceremonially unclean, mm-hmm. but Jesus had to go through Samaria. Yeah. And it's just crazy to me the intentionality that you see from Jesus because it, he didn't he didn't have to people came to him yeah thousands of people would sit down to listen to this dude preach his next he could have done the Jedi you yeah. all come to me right but he doesn't yeah see this is the and I love that you 
you're pointing out his intentionality because there's another piece to it. Yeah. And, and I don't, I'm not trying to steal your, no, thunder, do your thing, but, uh, uh, he was, a, so Jesus was a domino and then she became a massive domino. Mm-hmm. And so there's so many people that, including myself, including you, there were, there were tons of, tons of dominoes. <laughs> I don't know what that was. Was that a mouse? What just happened? Dude, I have no Benji's idea. playing with a rubber duck over right. there. <laughs> this, the squeaker came out. I couldn't stop. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. Okay, I tried to keep it together. I'm sorry to keep it together. <laughs> rubber ducky, you're the one. What, are you taking a bath over there? Uh, yeah. No. Okay, no, he's got a tiny little duck. It's an inside blow. joke. Ask Vicky about the ducks. But, yeah, it's an inside joke. Uh, yeah, so, so there's all these people in our lives that are dominoes. But then there are many people that come to Christ that then become dead ends. Mm-hmm. It, it, it doesn't, the domino chain is not supposed to end with you. It's supposed to continue. So yeah. what I love is Jesus is an intentional domino. He goes out of his way. He had to do it. Like you mm-hmm. said, he's hot, he's tired, he's yeah. thirsty. Her life has changed. And so she goes and tells the people. And then she's just an ordinary woman. She's an outcast. She's a, see, we have people that go, well, I can't do it because of who I am right. or what I've done. Or because of the social structure. Yeah. Jesus broke all those barriers, so so does she. Yeah. And in verse 29, he says, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Then they went out of town and were coming to him. So she impacts an entire town. She doesn't keep her mouth shut. Yep. I want to know where this lady between the well and telling the people to come and see Jesus, I want to know where she went to evangelism class. Right. Didn't she yeah. learn some Bible verses? Right. Did you, did, didn't she go through merge? <laughs> did she go to seminary? Did she even buy a Bible? Right. Let alone a really cool one like a Schuyler Bible? Yeah. No, she did not. <laughs> Immediately she goes and she's a domino. Yeah. And, and so again, it's, or, but what was the key? She had been with Jesus. Yeah. She had that one-on-one intentional time with Christ at the well, and we're still talking about it over 2,000 years 100%. Later. And I think too, uh, a key verse that comes to mind with that is, um, that's often used as kind of like an apologetics um, platform. We talked about this a little bit this week as one that's used sometimes to beat people over the head with, but she is embodying first Peter three here, giving three, an 15. answer for the hope that she has. Yeah. It's not about this is what you're doing wrong. She's giving an answer for the hope that she has with gentleness and respect, I'm sure, but that's all it takes. That's all it takes. Why do you have hope? Because if she can have hope, you imagine sitting in that crowd, right? Sometimes that's exactly what somebody needs to hear. Yeah, I, I'm encouraged by some of the stories you hear from people that that come to our church, and they're like, "Wait, that your staff did that? Mm. Oh, that guy? Mm. He does this? Well, then anybody can do it. Exactly. Right? I, yeah. I loved. Uh, we were in uh, in Cleveland, and the lady's like, "So, what are you guys in town for? All of us are standing in the lobby, you know." And I'm like, "Oh, well, we're here for a pastors' conference." And she's like, "You guys are pastors?" <laughs> and then you turn around, and you look, and you're like. I'd probably ask the same question. Yeah, we but, look like a bunch of ragamuffins, don't we? But there's so much encouragement in normal people being normal, mm. but still loving Jesus. Mm. And I think that, I don't know, I think of my own story and it's like, yeah, the reason I didn't go to church is because Christians weren't normal. Be yeah. yourself, but give an answer for the hope that you have. Why? Why? For the hope that you have. Exactly. So it's, it's almost unique to you. Why 100%. do you choose to believe Christ? Why do you choose to go to church? Why do you choose to go to Foundry? Why do you choose to exactly. follow Jesus? 100%. Because I think even Larry Cade's story that we just heard about his battle with alcoholism and how God has brought him out of that. And I loved the, the idea that he brought to the table of true abundant life and all this stuff. That's the hope that he had at that time. And that's going to speak to people differently than you and I can. Mm. 
because I know your story well enough to know that that hasn't been a struggle of yours. Mm-hmm. And for the guy that hears you like, hey, this is why I have hope. And it's like, yeah, that's easy for you to say. Right. right? But then there's somebody out there that grew up in a pastor's home that was a missionary kid that's like, dude, I've heard all this. And you're like, hey, but this is why I'm still in it. Right. And they're like, man, I needed to hear that. Right. And it, and it's it cheapens the gospel to think that we're the reason it can move forward or not, or whether we can – what's the word I'm looking for here? I don't want to – it cheapens the gospel to think that we can take away from the power with our story rather than just go talk about it. And that didn't right. come out clean, so I'm No, no, go. no, no. No, I like what you said. So to the person who's saying, well, I'm the exception. Yeah. I, I can't share my story. I can't invite. God can't use me. You're saying you're cheapening the gospel. Yeah. I would say you're underestimating the power of God. Yeah. That's a better way to say it. But I, I don't know if it's better. It's just different. Yeah. It's it's so so technically you're disbelieving God and his spirit. Yep. He said he can use you. He wants your yes. He said in Second Corinthians that you are his ambassador and you're like, no, not me. Yeah. Oh, so then you're not saved? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm saved. It's just I'm a real sucky ambassador. <laughs> oh, so the spirit doesn't live in you? Well, I'm a, you know, I've been at the church long enough to know the moment you become saved, the right. spirit lives in you. Okay, so Christ is in you and you're an ambassador. It isn't that you can't be one. It's that you won't be one. Yep. That's essentially what yep. it is. And when people start believing that, it isn't that it becomes our duty. It becomes fun. 100%. It is fun to represent Christ and to, you know, say, listen, this is the hope that I have. And, it, you know, I'm not going to beat you over the head with it. But, man, if you want to hear about it, uh, yeah, we invite you mm-hmm. in on this journey with us. And it's encouraging to you as a believer as well to see that God is still still living and active in my life. Because it's so easy for people that get saved or have that moment of surrender to Jesus. And then they just get in this routine and they just kind of, well— you know, wash, rinse, repeat. I read my Bible 15 minutes in the morning. I, I raise my kids the right way, and we do all these things. We go to church on Sunday. We serve. and then. But there's those aspects of taking a risk of to go be a domino because that's what it is. It's taking a risk. It's getting out of this religious apathy that is I'm just going to get in routine, and I'm going to take a risk to go be a domino in a place that maybe people wouldn't expect it. Right? I think about so many people that go to our church that people expect you and I to show up and probably tell them about Jesus. And to an extent, there's probably people that are disappointed that sometimes we don't, and we just want to talk about something else, mm. right? Yeah. But I think that there's a risk involved with people that are just in the marketplace, right? The mechanics out there, the the businessmen, the guys that are sitting at board tables to sit down and say, I'm going to take a risk today. And there's something about that that increases. It's kind of that we, we, we studied the, did a book study on here, The Barbarian Way, and it's kind of right. settling into that of like, you know what, man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get in this. And there's something that brings this new, I don't know, it, it, it's, it's like this instinct out of you that is this desire of like, it's like an adrenaline rush kind of, but not really like a, like, I don't know, how, my words are failing me today, but uh, there's just this idea behind it that is getting uncomfortable, the more you do it, and when you see God move through it, it's kind of like a, a spiritual high to an extent, but I don't want people to navigate by those. Right, right, so right. You, I think you know what I'm trying yeah, to say, so yeah. I'm just clean it up for yeah. me. Yeah, <laughs> well, I think what you're trying to say is uh, uh, it's fun. Yeah. And you take great joy when that happens. Yeah. It's, it's, it's great. There's great joy when you're doing what God told you to do and when you're living obedient and in those actual experiences. Mm-hmm. The thing that I want to speak to just for a moment here is when we talk about being a domino, we're not just talking about sharing your faith, although that is part of it. Right. So I've got a friend, I'm not going to say his name, but he's a, he, he preaches all over the world. 
And one of the things I've heard him say more than once in his sermons that just breaks his heart is that 95, if I, if these numbers aren't exact, mm-hmm. then, then forgive me. Um, I, I, I think the number is 90% of all Christians will never share their faith. And 95% will never pray with someone for them to receive Christ. And I've heard him use that statistic a ton. And I keep meaning to talk with him about it, but I haven't had the opportunity because he's older than me and you're not supposed to rebuke an older man harshly. Right. So let's just speak to that a minute. Let's, let's, let's think about that. Yeah. Is that such a bad thing? That 90%... Per, now, this is why. Dominoes don't always speak the gospel to someone. Hey, did you know that you were dead in your trespasses and sin? But God showed up, sent his son on a mission to save us, and he died on a cross. So if you trust him, then you can believe in that. And would you like to become a Christian today? I'm ready to pray with you. That's what people were told when I grew up. That's what that's what soul winning was. Mm-hmm. We're going to go door to door and we're going to tell people that story, the story of the gospel, and then we're going to uh, lead a bunch of people to Christ. Now, I'm not saying that's bad or that's a bad thing to do, but I am saying probably 90% of Christians are not gifted to do that. Mm -hmm. Probably 90% of them. And it negates how people actually do come to Christ. If there's someone inviting, if there's someone who's giving, if there's someone who's being a good friend, if there's someone that's praying, if God's using all these different dominoes in order to bring people to Christ, then that statistic sounds about right. Mm-hmm. It sounds like to me, ninety percent of evangelism is not actually sharing the gospel verbally or preaching or something like that. About ninety percent of it is all these other important domino events. Yeah, and then the actual praying to receive Christ. Whether I pray with someone or not, that's not the point. It's whether they prayed to receive Christ. Hundred percent. Right? So, what I want the listener, the viewers, to to to, to get in this whole thing is being a domino can be an invitation. Being a domino can be being a great neighbor or a great coworker or uh, someone on the basketball team that was just a little bit different. There's a, there's a girl um, from one of our rival schools that um, uh, on the sorry I'm talking soccer now. So Very I good. coach the Buckley soccer team. One of the one of our rivals within the conference. Um, there's a girl on another team that is a captain, and I've watched her play in both both of our soccer games against her. She's a very good player, but there's something about her that's different. And uh, I almost asked her last night after the game, after they beat us, <laughs> um, but I didn't because it would have been inappropriate. Right. I'm, I'm 99% sure this girl is a Christian and you can see it by the way she plays. Mm. And I know it because I'm a Christian and this is what I want from my players as well, to play with excellence, to play hard, but to also be the first one to help someone up and to be a good sport and so forth and so on. So being a domino sometimes looks like that. There's a a thousand and more ways in order to be a domino. As as I've said before, you know, if you go to a restaurant and, and, and you're praying a prayer over your meal, you better be the biggest tipper in that restaurant <laughs> yeah. because Christians have gotten such a bad rap. It's like the worst day of the week to work is Sunday afternoons. Yeah, because uh, because the uh, after church crowd is um, they're demanding mm-hmm. and they're bad tippers. Yeah, instead of being the easiest customers to have and the most generous tippers, right? All of these little things 
um, are different ways that we can be a domino. 100%. And I love to, because what you're hitting on is kind of that second piece that we dug into with the students, which was that Jesus was relational, right? It, It wasn't just these big sermon on the Mount moments, but you see it with the woman in the well. And then the other story that we used was Jesus calling Levi. And you see this incredible moment where there's thousands of people gathered around, but scripture says that Jesus sees Levi, a tax collector, a sinner. And he goes and he's like, Hey, let's have, let's have dinner. And he goes and he sits at Levi's house. And there's this moment where it says in in the text, it says that he was sitting with many tax collectors and sinners. And the Pharisees were watching, which is so creepy. Whatever you really think about it, because it's like they're in Levi's house. Are these dudes all creeping through windows? Yeah, I don't know. To watch Jesus? Or were they in there? I don't, it's I don't like, know. It's, yeah. Are they yeah. all just like, hey, we want to come, but we wanna, we'll just stand there. Yeah, just, we're going to stand out the yeah. window and look at you <laughs> but, with our funny hats. And so, but Jesus eats with all of them and he rebukes the Pharisees and he says, it's not the well who need a doctor, but it's the sick. And But I think that there's this beautiful moment in this where Jesus being a rabbi, Jesus being this religious leader, he sees Levi sees him. It's a key piece, right? Mm-hmm. And then he takes a risk of relationship. And he's like, I'm not just going to give him the one-off. Because I, here's the thing, too. I think sometimes the cop-out is, oh, well, I told him they didn't accept it, so I'm out. Rather than, this might be a journey. This person might need somebody to love them for a long time to, to show them that it, they're not just an, a person with issues that needs fixed in the immediate but there's somebody that probably just needs a stable relationship in their life. And you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get coffee with you mm. every week at this time or whatever that looks like. But Jesus sits down for this meal and, and he's eating with Levi and them. And we talk, we just encourage the students. There's a relational aspect to being a domino, right? That's something we even talked about this last week at our staff meetings we were talking about with counseling, right? That the key to being a good counselor is building that relationship with people. It's not just them coming in and us picking up the Bible and beating them over the head with it and them knowing that, listen, I know the verses. I know what's wrong with you because I know what truth is. And But rather, obviously these things are true and there are truths in here that people need to hear, but it's how you say it. And sometimes it takes somebody with a relationship with this person right. for them to be able to wade into that because for you to trust, and, and there's so much that goes into building that relationship within that domino aspect that, I mean, I think to my own story. Um, one of my really close friends who'll be in my wedding is a guy named Dalton. Um, love Dalton to death. He's an incredible, incredible man of God. He's a father now. Um, he's an engineer and he's just, I mean, love the dude. And we became friends. I think I was probably, I was a freshman and he was a sophomore. Um, we became friends. We both played football. Dalton's the I mean, he's the best athlete at our school. He won Mr. Ulaga like every year he was in high school. He was a four, three-sport starter as a freshman. Football, basketball, baseball. Best athlete at the school. I'm a chubby ninth grader that can push people. <laughs> but I'm pretty fun to hang out with. So Dalton's, we start hanging out. Dalton has his license, different stuff like that. So we, we're hanging out, and I'm an idiot, John. Like, that's just who I was in high school. I did the wrong things. I was always in the wrong place, hanging out with the wrong people, Dalton is a kid that loves Jesus. He's a part of the student ministry that we went to. He's leading an FCA. He's doing all this stuff. But for some reason, he hung out with me. Hmm. And there were times where it's like, my life's a mess. And then Dalton's still there. He would come hang out with all of us when we were being idiots. Not like parties or anything, but like we'd be playing, go have like a video game tournament. And he'd be there. And there were so many other places and better groups of friends Dalton could have had. But he didn't let us drag him down. But he maintained who he was. And I remember year after year, I was like, man, this dude's consistent. 
And he's one of the best dudes ever. He cared about us. He knew how to pick on us and all this stuff, but he cared about us. And I'll never forget my bachelor party. This will be a memory for the rest of my life. We're sitting down uh, at the table. We're all studying our Bibles together, which maybe not your typical bachelor party, but as my brother said, me and my friends are the 12 disciples. (laughs) And so we're sitting there hanging out and he goes, he just pauses for a minute. He goes, man, I would have never thought. I was like, what do you mean? He goes, that I would be sitting at Britton Bishop's bachelor party and he would be, let alone underlining in his Bible, underlining in his Bible with a ruler. (laughs) (laughs) You and uh, me geeking out with the rulers. But it was just this moment where he got to see the return of a long obedience. That's right. I'm going to hang out with these idiots. I'm going to pick them up when they've probably been doing stuff they shouldn't have been doing. I'm going to make sure they get home safe. Yeah. And then it comes out later, and when I was in, when I was in college, all prayed for me for years that I would give my life to Christ. And then now he's gotten to see just God just do incredible things and and work through me. But it's like, but he took a risk, yeah, of relationship. He was intentional and relational with you, yeah. And he may not even have realized he was an intentional domino, a hundred percent, yeah. And there were so many moments in my life where I'm get to a crossroads. I'm trying to figure out what being a follower of Jesus is. And that thought would come to mind, like, well, what would Dalton do right here? Yeah. What have I seen him do? And then you just spend your, and it's just like, well, that's who I've seen do it well. Right. Cause obviously people are like, well, what would Jesus do? And it's like, I wasn't there. Yeah. I can read the Bible and I can try, but I'm not, I'm not going to be able to walk out on the water and get him out of the boat. Right. <laughs> but I've seen people do it in my life. Yeah. And there's that relational aspect of being a domino. That was huge for me because the whole time I was trying not to trust Christians, Dalton was just giving me a reason to trust Christians. This whole time I'm growing up in the Bible Belt and I want to hate the church and I want to point out all its flaws and how they're all fake. I couldn't because there's this one dude that won't stop being real. Mm. And it's just like, but he didn't know he was doing that. No, and he, he would know. tell you that. Yeah. You're just being a dude that wanted friends that weren't weird. Being a Christian dude. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you made me think of a story. Here's another. And, and by the way, when I, preach this and I've preached it at the tab before, but, or have done it in merge, love to tell the stories and some, you know, if you've been through it, you've heard the stories. Yeah. but one of my favorite stories, um, happened at the big ticket music festival. Now the big ticket music festival, that is usually all Christians there. Yeah. And it was, I, back in the day, back in the day, <laughs> I was hitting all the festivals. Right. Uh, but I'm at the big ticket festival and I'm, I'm one of the speakers and, and, uh, uh my kids are there. And my brother-in-law and his kids were there, and they were watching some show, and I wasn't even interested in any of the bands. I was there to do a job and hang, hang out backstage and whatever, you know. Uh, I, actually, there was one, one band there that I really want to see. But, um, yeah, so dur- during the concert, there's a dude sitting, and when, they, when he stood up, uh, 20 bucks fell out of his pocket, like, um, you know, just right there during the concert. Well, my daughter and my nephew saw it. And so this is my oldest child and my nephew Brock. So Isabel and Brock saw it. I think I think if I get the story right. And Brock picked up the money, tapped him on the shoulder and said, "Sir, you dropped your money." The dude was like overwhelmed. He was like, "Thank you so much." And he was like, "Oh, man, you are the what is your name and da 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 and and you guys are the best and and uh they they were like Okay. <laughs> and he was like, no, I want to give you, because he had some swag for his, uh, apparently he was one of the artists. 
Okay. And he goes, I got some swag. Come backstage and, you, you know, I want to give it to you. You know, and, and he, he was like, don't worry, I'll get you backstage. And they're like, we have backstage passes. Our dads are working here, <laughs> right? So he's like, oh, the even better. So they go backstage. It turns out the dude's a magician. And so he was in a little side tent at mm. Big Ticket. So he wasn't a big artist, but he was an artist and he gave a thing in the, or gave him each something. And then, uh, uh, or maybe it was just Brock, I'm not sure. But then he met my brother-in-law, Chris, Pastor Chris Emery, and they started talking and he just went off about the integrity and the honesty and whatever of his son. And his son's like, I'm going back out to watch the show. The guy got tears because he said to Chris, that was my last 20 bucks. He goes, I barely, he goes, I'm just up here and, and, and I'm only getting paid for what people buy of my stuff and who, you know, Christian magician, there's a bunch of people like that's, you know, that's the black arts. You, you can't use that for the Lord. And apparently he can, right? So they just talked for a long time and exchanged notes or whatever. You think, okay, well, that was a nice story of your kids caught doing something good. Not so much. Uh, it was about a year later or maybe six, seven months later. Those same kids, our, our kids are on the student council at school. Hey, we need to do something. We need to have an assembly, right? And so they go, hey, let's get that magician guy. Because apparently that's his real uh, gig mm-hmm. is going into public schools and doing a little magic show and then talking about don't be a bully, don't do drugs, you know, don't get pregnant, yeah. stay in school, you know, all that, all that kind of stuff. But hey, come over to the local church after, you know, tonight, and then we're going to share the gospel. We're going to do a bigger magic right. trick, right? So they, the kids totally organized that. The dude wouldn't have come here except for that moment. So you follow the domino chain, right? Mm-hmm. Just a kid doing something well uh, or, or right. He wasn't even intentional, but they were relational. Right. Oh, yeah, I remember. Your kid gave me that, you know, when it was my last 20 bucks. Yeah, I'm there. So they set it up, whole deal. They go into the local school. He does the magic show. They invite him all to Foundry. It was Firehouse back then. He does a bigger magic show. The place is packed, right? And one of the kids uh, gives his life to Christ. And uh, we'll have to get him on here so he can share the whole story. I had coached that kid. Chris Emery had coached that kid. Our kids were friends with that kid. But it wasn't until the magician night that Dominique Krosky gave his life to Christ at the old firehouse. Dominique today not only is a member of our church, married, has a kid, he's one of the firehouse volunteers. Yeah. I mean, think about the dominoes. Those are just the dominoes we know. And it started like your friend Dalton mm-hmm. with a kid just doing the right thing. Yep. I'm going to do the right thing. And it turned into a relationship that, and there were other kids that gave their life to Christ that yeah. night. But they were just ordinary, unschooled, at least in seminary. Yeah. You know, they, they weren't soul winner guys. They got in positions where they could use their position to maybe be an influence on yep. their school. And to me, that's way more important than being part of the 5% that prayed the prayer with somebody. Yeah. Because of all those kids that were there that night. Not to mention the dominoes that inspired that guy who loved magic so much that he wanted to figure out how to use it with his faith. And yeah. there had to be a preacher somewhere in his old Baptist church is like, well, we're going to let this one pass because you're going to use it for the <laughs> Lord. As long as there ain't no Ouija board. Yeah. I don't know why Baptists talk that way, but I love them. Uh, you know, they gotta do. Take, yeah, whatever. Yeah. So sorry for that long story. But no, that, it's all good. To me, that gets me excited when yeah. I think about that because I get to see that guy almost every week. And yep. it's like, wow, God, how did you get that guy here? Yep. That's amazing. Now he's being a domino yeah. in my kid's life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And so there's that relational aspect. And that was kind of that part two that we talked about with, with being a domino. And I think it's so important because it shows people that you're invested for the long run. And I think that so often so many people's hurt that they have is because somebody blew in and blew out or whatever. And it was just like, I'll love you as long as you're doing the right things. But I think for somebody to see that I'm invested in you, even when your life is a mess and to wade through that with them and then to get to celebrate those victories together, it's just a really sweet, cool thing that Mm -hmm. you get to be a part of. And so that, that was something that we talked about with the students and then we challenged them. And what does that look like for you this summer? And we, we launched into this campaign called reach one, pick one person that you're just going to build a relationship with that, that, that doesn't know Jesus or maybe they've, they've, they've came before, but they're still unsure. Or, or maybe you just know somebody at your school that you're like, you know what, man, this person needs somebody to love on them. And we're just going to reach one. And if every student, right, this is the, I stole it from your old youth pastor, right? If all of you reach one, one. person, we'll double in size. We'll and it's not about size. doubling in size, right? It's not about numbers. Could get, I, I love that I go to a church that doesn't, like, we care about it. But my job security isn't built on how many kids come to Foundry. Right. But it's changed lives. That's right. And if all of us can reach one person, how cool Think about if adults would embrace that. Just it'd be insane. Just reach one. Focus on one one. person. Target. One. Target them. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. With your time, with your energy, with your prayers, with your love, with your invitation, with your service, with your relationship. Yeah. Reach one. Yep. One a year, mm-hmm. what would happen? Be insane. We w- yeah, we would we would reach all of Northern Michigan, yeah. uh, multiplicatively. Yeah. I don't even know if that's a word, but I yep. made it up. That's called multiplication. But I added yeah. some others to that. I liked it. I yeah. couldn't spell it, but I liked it. Me neither. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and I, and that's what we challenge the students with, and that's where I think that we see this kind of this concept of your intentional, your relational, and then the third part that we talked about. And I think this is just one that was a good reminder for me. And then the kids got to hear about it, right? <laughs> That's sometimes how student ministry sermons mm-hmm. go is it's like, yeah, this is what God needed to say to me this week, guys. And unfortunately you get to hear me process it for 25 minutes. Good. <laughs> Therapy. Is, is this idea that Jesus was interruptible. Yeah. And we see this moment with Jesus um, when the synagogue leader, uh, Jerry is, shows up and his daughter's dying and he's like, Hey, I need you to come. And there's this moment where Jesus, he, he says, okay, let's go. And they're going and they're on the trail and they're walking. And it says that the crowds are pressing in around him. And then Jesus stops. He says, who touched me? Right. And I challenge the kids always. The Bible's not boring. You are. Let's look at this story through three lenses. Okay. Let's think about Jarius when Jesus stops. Pissed. Yeah. What are you doing, bro? My daughter is dying. We've got to go. You We're, are. Yeah. You're, this, you're this on a mission our, This is our last her. stitch effort. Yeah. I just told my family I got this. We got to go. The disciples, right? Jesus, what do you mean? Who touched you? There's. People are pressing in all around us. Yeah, somebody touched you. But then you think about this woman that's been bleeding for 12 years. And she was the one who reached out and touched her. She reached out and he touched his robe. And now she's crawling away. Right? I think about whenever my grandma, whenever I'd go stay at my nanny and papa, she always made Texas sheet cake with pecans in it. It was so good. And it was always for dinner. But I'd always try to sneak some. And I, and you, you can't sneak cake because there's, you can't put it back. Yeah. Cause you can And then see. she'd come in and she'd be like, well, who did this? And chocolate's still on my mouth. And I'm like, well, I don't know who did, I don't you're know what slinking. happened. Right. You're slinking away. But you think about this woman, she, the, her clothes have got to be bloody. Yeah. Who touched me? And it says that she comes back and she's scared and Jesus calls her daughter, mm. which is the only time in all of the new Testament that Jesus uses that word. It's the only time. And you see, he's on a mission. That's what I'm telling the kids. He's doing the right thing, going to heal this man's daughter. But he knows he's Jesus, and he and there's a plan, and God is sovereign. He's going to move through all of this, and Jesus, spoiler alert, shows up 
she's not dead. She's sleeping. Cool moment. All this stuff. Even though she was dead. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But he brought her back to life. Yeah, that would be a, that's a bad way to say that. Cause people are like, wait, so Jesus just woke people up. They didn't actually heal. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, anyways, uh, but he takes time with this woman. Yeah. 12 years, dude. He was interruptible. Yeah. He was on a different mission and he got interrupted. Yeah. And he took the time. And he to didn't st- see it as a bother. No. And yeah. the thing is he knew she was healed. He could have kept going. She could have been healed and life could have moved on. Yeah. And but there was more healing that had to happen. Exactly. She needed to be seen and, and dignified. feel and dignified and feel that compassion. And, yeah. and her life, her life was changed, not just because she had a physical blessing. Yeah. It was also, there was something deeply spiritual that happened Yep. and that the God of the universe called her daughter. Yeah. I don't, I can't explain it, but yeah. I think that means she's saved. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. Uh, if, if, if she's in the family, she's a child of God yep. and because it was faith, right. That yeah. saved her. Yeah. I love that, man. That yeah. That's the... Now, what what it makes me think of is the fact that many times, so, so you just said in the last little segment that if we would all reach one, and that's not just for students, mm-hmm. I'm throwing that challenge out to adults too. If we would all just reach one, mm-hmm. so wherever you are, right? I mean, you know, you'll talk to men that are like, why aren't there more men in my fight club? Oh, yeah. Well, maybe either you're boring or you haven't decided to reach one. Right. Yeah. You know, maybe you've not really made it a fight club. Maybe it's just your little click mm-hmm. or- the dudes here are just about themselves. When fight clubs grow, it's because dudes go and invite people to fight club. Yep. If you're sitting in Foundry going, why hasn't you know my Foundry group, I wish there were more kids my age. Okay, go meet them and invite them. Re- go go reach one. You know Why hasn't my campus, you know, after COVID, is it back to the, okay, well then go reach one. Go reach a new one. Mm-hmm. Go reach one that used to be here and is, is sitting at home on Sunday in their jammies. It just yeah. needs a little encouragement, right? Mm-hmm. That's the whole reach one concept. So, in my experience, there have been moments when I've been so focused on the one I'm trying to reach that I've missed those along the way. Yeah. Sometimes, and I'm going to say more than sometimes, it feels like the majority of the time when I'm intentionally going after someone, mm-hmm. it's those around me that God is drawing. Mm. And if I'm interruptible, you know, I think I've told this story before and I want to be careful, but I, I've, I've for years and years... Um, uh, was uh, being a domino with the with the woman that cut my hair, mm-hmm. and I was she was the one I was going to reach, and I was folk. I mean, she kept moving up in the world to more and more expensive salons. I think she's at one now that I can't afford, so I don't <laughs> see her anymore. But one hundred percent was focused on reaching that one. Um, meanwhile, and again to protect the innocent, uh, I, I won't say the names, but um, there was a friend in Fight Club who had asked me um to uh. To pray that his sister would come on Easter. And I said, okay. I, I pray a lot of people, but he was like, that's the one I'm supposed to reach, uh, his half-sister. Mm-hmm. And so he was praying that his half-sister would show up on Easter because he knew we were going to present the gospel. After Easter, he goes, hey, my sister came on Easter, and you'll never um, uh, believe why. And I was like, why? And he goes, um, well, she wasn't going to come. She wasn't going to come at all. Uh, but then finally she goes, wait a second. Is the church you go to, is it called the Tabernacle in Buckley? And he said, yeah. And he goes, is your pastor, do they call him Johnny V? And he goes, yeah. And she goes, okay, I'll come. So she came on Easter, gave her life to Christ, and he's telling me this story. And I'm sitting there going, well, who's your sister? And he goes, well, she's a hairdresser. <laughs> and for a second, I thought it, he, he meant the right. girl that cut my hair. It wasn't. It was her best friend 
who cut hair in the chair right next to her, who had been listening to our conversations for 10 years, who, you know, when, when she got tears, this one got tears because many times when, you know, you're, someone's cutting your hair, it turns into a therapy session if they know you're a pastor. Right. And so the one I was focused on wasn't the one God was drawing at that time. He was drawing her best friend. Right. And so I got to meet her and it was kind of crazy. So, so that's, that's interruptible. And I didn't realize uh, the, it was despite me, Mm -hmm. right. It's, it's the, so now what that opened my eyes to is Yes, I want to reach one, but I also want to be aware that there's others around. Right. You know, that here's a here's another classic story. Um and and this is I hope this is attainable, but um it 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 serves our purpose, but this is not what I'm trying mm-hmm. to say people have to do. Um so I'm in Gothenburg, Sweden, and it's a Saturday night and I'm there on a mission trip. And we'd specifically gone into the city square to see if we could be intentional, mm-hmm. uh build some relationships. And, and just with people, and we did it with a soccer ball because we were a bunch of soccer players. It was a Christian soccer missions trip. And so we're juggling a soccer ball. That's where you keep the ball up in there. Remember when I knocked that thing off your head, you know, during the pandemic, which will not be named. (laughs) Right. And so we're juggling a ball and we're all in sports gear and there's people that are hanging out with us. And so, Hey, why are you in Gothenburg? And we obviously look like a team and we start telling them, well, you know, we're, we're believers in Jesus and we're here to play soccer and spread the good word and sowing the good seed. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, uh, in about 10 minutes, a kid comes over to me and he goes, Hey man, we're talking to an atheist right over there. We need you. We need your, we need your ability to do apologetics and, you know, defend the faith and da da da. So I got in this great convo with this atheist, right? And, uh, one of his best friends who was a Muslim and we're having this great convo, uh, just talking about Christ and, and, uh, it's pretty intense between yeah. me and the guy, not negative. I mean, right. it was super respectful. Mm-hmm. There was gentleness, but he was good. He knew why he wasn't a Christian. And, you know, we had Bibles to give them and all this kind of stuff. And, and his buddy, the Muslim said nothing, nothing. In fact, he, he, he looked like he was kind of glaring at me, you know, but it looked kind of disinterested the entire conversation. And so this convo lasted about 20 minutes and at the end of it, uh, we said, hey, you know, are you interested in, in this? And here's a book. Here's like a New Testament. And the guy was like, no, nah, I'm good. So he bounced. We stayed there another hour. You know, we got some ice cream. We're hanging out. We're just talking to people. It wasn't pushy. It was just people were coming to us, right? About an hour later, guess who comes back? Muslim. Muslim. And he's just kind of sidles up and he's like, hey, um, I'm very, very interested in what you had to say. And he had a couple of really poignant questions about the Messiah. Mm. And he said, could I have one of those? Yeah, you can have one of these. And he hid it because he didn't want anyone to see that he had it. And we gave him some numbers and some contacts. And he wasn't ready to receive Christ at that moment. And we didn't push it. Right. But we were interruptible mm-hmm. in the sense that uh, during that convo with the atheist guy, I could see He's pretending not to listen, right? but he's dialed in a hundred percent. And so some of the seeds that I was it, throwing was not just at atheists. It was just in case this guy, I had no idea he was going to come back though, it, but he was the one that God was after. And so, yeah, yeah. that happens all the time no, for if sure. we have eyes to see. Yeah. And I think too, of how many people just get in that mode, right? When I'm going to the store, right? Uh, there's some challenges that I laid out for a group of people one time I was speaking at a uh, family camp. And I said, how many of you do self-checkout? You know, and all these hands, it's like, man, what would it look like to go back to the old fashioned way and actually talk to somebody? 
Interesting. And there's just those little moments in your life where you can- Oh, you're killing me. I love self-checkout <laughs> right? because I don't want to talk to I people. I hate it so much. I'm not getting paid to be here. Right? Uh, <laughs> so, And nowadays, everybody does it, so the lines aren't even long for normal oh, wow. stuff. So wow. cheat code. Wow. So, actually, I do the one usually where you just scan it and put it in the basket, yeah. and then at the end, you just pay. Does it count if I do self-checkout and then talk to the lady that's monitoring the self-checkout? Yeah. Because oh, okay, I'm okay. imagining, I can just imagine you at a self-checkout that's probably- Common. You are all percent <laughs> correct. There, okay, over fifty percent of the time at self checkout, I need somebody to help. And no, it's not to verify my age. Right. All right, because I'm buying illegal goods. It's like where I I don't. How do you dial in? It's yeah. like what I got a spell avocado. Yeah. I'm bu- I'm making guac. Didn't know there was man. a test. I didn't yeah. know there was a test here. But there's just those little moments yeah. though, where there's a, the opportunity to be be interruptible, right? Like. I think about one of our a mutual friend that we have, a guy from, uh, he's from Miss the backwoods of Mississippi is how he tells Mississippi. people. Mississippi, yeah. But um, I remember I used to go eat meals with him um, when I was, when we were both in Denver for a summer and incredible dude. He was there to mentor and disciple me and he spent more time talking to the waitress than he did talking to me. But what I learned through that was obviously he's being intentional with this. But I saw him lead multiple waitresses, and this is he's one of the 5%, right? This dude's a yeah. gifted communicator, incredible personality, yep. all this. But just his simple thing he did every single time. Hey, miss, we're going to pray for our meal right here. Is there any way we can be praying for you? In Denver, sometimes people are like, F no. Yeah. And sometimes I start crying. Absolutely. Man, why'd you ask that? And then it's just this incredible moment. But he, But so many people get into that mode of, well, I'm with this person and I can't be interrupted. And that's important work. That's good. But I'm going to be interruptible enough. And what he that taught me more than he could have done with words ever. Yeah. And I think too. Like, and, and, and sorry. No, you're good. Just to be clear, if you're listening to this and that's not you, mm-hmm. uh, you don't have to be that guy. Right. But chances are there's people that are watching or listening that you can do that. You're yep. big personalities. Mm-hmm. And you'll interact. You know, I know some people, they'll go to a restaurant and they, they don't ever catch the waiter or waitress's name. I always ask for the waiter right. or waitress's name because I want to be relational. They're mm-hmm. going to, I'm a public person. They're going to know sooner or later when we pray that I'm a Christian. Yep. And so I want to make sure that I'm treating them like a person and look for those opportunities. Yep. So I can do what you're describing. Yeah. But if that is not your personality at all, there's still other ways that you can do what you're describing. Oh, 100%. And it, and, and it, the thing is, it's custom made, right? It's just like our discipleship thing, right? Disciples are custom made, right? How you be a domino is custom made because if every domino looked like Britain Bishop and John Vermilia, there'd be a lot of people that stopped going to church, uh, well, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, thanks let's for just saying be honest. that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I scare people away. I'm yeah, a, I'm a big personality. I hurt people. I have a sharp tongue. Yeah, yeah. I, and I'm the same. Like I'm a I'm annoying at, to an extent sometimes with people, and it's like, why is this? Leave me alone. But there's so many people that I just. I would, I would challenge the person listening, just spend some time and actually think about what does this look like for me? Yeah. Right. And it doesn't have to be one of the stories we've told, right? Maybe you have an awesome fishing boat and it's just inviting that guy out to go fishing. Maybe you need to work on your golf game and you need to invite some people to go play golf, right? I, w- I, I think that's And what, instead of your same buddies. I think God just said, that's what I need to do. Whoa. Yeah, I just heard him audibly. Did you really? Play more golf. That was yeah. a moment? Yeah. <laughs> Can we turn the fog machine on in here? Yeah. Especially but no. with Bill Stone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Get him saved. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. No, but it could be hunt efficient. It, yeah. it could be some sort Whatever of activity looks that like you want. You. you got two tickets to the show, two tickets to the game, and yep. it's like 
Yeah, you could pick this, but what if you pick someone else? It's, 100%. I love how you, it's about being intentional, being relational, and along the way, yeah. be interruptible. Yep. Let God be in charge of it. You don't have mm-hmm. to hit anyone over the head with one of these. Yeah. You don't. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's probably better if you didn't. Yeah. Right? But in building that relationship, people will see something different. Mm-hmm. And when they see something different, that gives you the opportunity. Yeah. There was one time in my life, I, w- I was a coach in... Um, in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I coached a group. It was a select soccer team. I was playing on the Charlotte Eagles pro mm-hmm. team, and and uh, uh, that didn't pay the bills. Okay, back in the day, Damn. there was not there was in no the USISL. There was soccer. no money in pro soccer in the United States, <laughs> right? Uh, so I needed a gig, right? And so I was a teacher, but I was also a youth club coach in the off season. And I coached this one group of boys. For like three years and from like U11, U12, U13. Actually, I think I had them until they were U14. Well, there was a certain way that we coached. Mm-hmm. If you were with the Charlotte Eagles, there was a certain way. Now, not everyone on our youth team were Christians. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there were some. But just in interacting with the parents, interacting with the players, um, I'll never forget this this uh, one kid uh who was on our team, his father said, Hey, I want to get together and do lunch with you sometime. I said, cool. We set up a date. He took me to lunch along the way. I suddenly realized this guy was loaded. Mm -hmm. I mean, God had blessed him. He wasn't a Christian, um, but he was wealthy that he had this. Yeah. I won't even go into it, but we had dinner and I could tell at the whole time, dinner i mean this is a guy i'd kind of known as as one of the players or one of the fathers of one of my he's a soccer dad yeah but it was there's something bugging him and we had the whole dinner it was all small talk it was very expensive dinner or lunch and um he's beating around the bush and then finally i i said well you know there's got to be a reason that i'm here and to be honest in the back of my i'm not afraid to say this i'm gonna like is this guy gonna ask me to sell amway <laughs> Because I was big in the 90s, right. man. And it's like, I'm not a, no. And by the way, I don't want to be a part of your multi-level marketing scheme, <laughs> right? And I'm, I'm thinking, no, because this guy's actually wealthy and nobody yeah. in Amway is wealthy <laughs> except the dude that invented it, right? right. Sorry, just bus chucked the Amway. But, um, but they need to be bus chucked for a second. Finally, he says what he was there to say because I asked him. He said, John, he said, uh, I've seen the way you know, that you and your wife, you don't have a whole lot. You know, have a small house, you got two kids and you can barely pay your bills. <laughs> you know, I see the car that you drive. He goes, I've got um, a 10,000 square foot home. I said, I've got three cars, two kids, four dogs, two cats and two birds, an in-ground pool and more money that I can ever spend. He said, what do you have that I don't have? That's the only time I've been asked at that point blank. He said, what do you have that I don't have? And I said, what do you mean? And he goes, in there. Mm -hmm. I shared the gospel with him. Mm. Now that's after he'd seen my life up close or as close as you can from a a soccer dad perspective for about two and a half, three years. That's how we're supposed to live our lives with people. Not to withhold it. I, I wasn't trying to hide my faith. But he needed it spelled out. Yeah. So I spelled it out for him. He gave his life to Christ. He's one of our, he and his wife are still some of our closest friends uh, from a distance. But what would it look like if we were all out there to reach one? Yep. 
being, as you said, intentional and relational, Mm -hmm. there's going to come a time where either you're going to push the subject or they're just going to ask for it spelled out. What is it that you have that I don't have? Because whatever it is, I want it. So that requires us to be lovers of God Mm. and lovers of people. They need to see love oozing out of us. And like you said, to be normal, just be normal, (laughs) right? right? But be a normal Christian. Well, what is a normal Christian? Passionate, intentional, relational, interruptible, on mission. Gentle. Gentle, respectful. Yeah. Honest, full of integrity. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've had people say, often it's in Fight Club, you know, I would invite somebody or I would be a domino, but the guys at work, you know, they see how much I fail. Mm-hmm. Well, what I tell guys is if you fail, okay, you went off and you lost your temper or you went off and you screwed up big time, mm-hmm. they saw your sin. That's still a domino opportunity yep. because you can either say, well, I suck. And I'm a, a complete hypocrite. Or you can say, hey, you know what? I lost my temper with you. Um, that's not how uh, the Lord Jesus would want me to act. And so I need you to forgive me because yeah. that was unacceptable. When you do it that way, yep. now I believe you. Mm-hmm. See, we think that non-Christians, sorry, I'm going off on a rant here. We think that non-Christians um, expect us to be perfect. No, it's we that expect us to be perfect. And so then when we're not, which is all the time, then we become not just imperfect, but we become unusable for the kingdom. He wants to use our imperfections. It's an opportunity not to point to us, but to point to him when you screw up. Exactly. And there's so many people like, well, I'm scared I'm going to be a hypocrite. You're only being a hypocrite if you're hiding it. Boom. That's the only, you can, we are all, we're going to sin. Yes. And the reason you're a hypocrite is because you're acting like you're not. Yes. (laughs) Right. Be, don't be open with it. Well, that's what I did last week. But like you said, ask for forgiveness. What are you actively doing to try to kill that sin in your life? Whatever that looks like. But don't let the fear of not being good enough stop you from what God might be trying to do in somebody else's life. Yeah. Because I think that's the thing too with being a domino that there's so many, I always, I had somebody ask me this one time and it's one that's just stuck out to me. It's just says, Jesus changed your life. Yeah. Radically. Why wouldn't you share that with other people? Mm. And it's more, it's, he didn't say, why wouldn't you? T- why wouldn't you share that life share with it. other people? Yeah. It's not just go, for me, sometimes it is, yeah, I'm going to go tell people about it. That's my gifting. That's what God has equipped me to do. But there's an aspect of sharing your life with other people that is opening the door. Let your dinner table be a place where people can come experience the love of Jesus, right? Mm. Let your let your backyard be a place this summer where people can come over and just know that this is what community looks like, right? Maybe there's a couple in your neighborhood that they're new to town. They just moved in. Maybe they're snowbirds. Say, hey, you know, would you? we're going to have a barbecue this weekend, right? And if, don't call it a barbecue if it's burgers and hot dogs, <laughs> all right? There's a southern boy <laughs> yeah. you come, uh, coming out. But, hey, we're going to cook out. Would you want to yeah. come? Yeah. And just love on them. Yeah. Right? And I, I think, too, we sometimes as Christians, we overcomplicate the process. We make it too much about ourselves, and we make it not enough about Jesus. That's right. If Jesus actually changed your life, act like it, and then share that life with other people. And And I would say, if you screw up— own it. Yeah. So I got another friend. Uh, well, I got some friends, but uh, this dude's really working on his mouth mm-hmm. because he's he's impressive when it comes to cussing, <laughs> swearing, profanity, yeah. whatever you want to yeah. call it, right? And uh, since he's been a Christian, he's got a new standard and he'll still lose it. But whenever he takes, well, he refuses to take the Lord's name in vain. Mm-hmm. That's what offends him, right? 
And that's really has been his focus. Well, he was telling me he was at work and he completely lost his temper. And uh, it shot out of his mouth. He he took the Lord's name in vain. It was like, God, you know, whatever. And uh, the moment it came out of his mouth, he backed up. He looks up to heaven. He goes, sorry, Father. And the woman... In, that was that was he wasn't swearing at her, but right. she heard it. She goes, "Who are you talking to?" <laughs> and he was like, "My heavenly Father, I just offended him, and I asked his forgiveness because there's a line." Yeah. <laughs> and then he started telling her, "Listen, there's a difference between profanity and uh, 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 blasphemy, right. right?" And 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 so it turned into an opportunity yeah. to share what he really believed, even though he brutally messed up yeah. in front of someone that wasn't yep. a Christian. Yeah. So yeah. he owned it. Yeah. So I think that kind of wraps it up. This is, I mean, I just think about, I've heard the stories. Yeah. Right. And when I came here, um, when, when you, we have the history book, you sit down with the Larry Cades and it's like, man, what he's, God's not, I don't think he's done here yet. No. Um, not just by needs a long more people to be dominoes. Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm like, man, what would it look like? If there was just this revitalization, maybe to use the church ghetto road, right? Or church ghetto word, this revival in people to say, you know what? God's not done yet. And if there's anything that the media has told us that our world today has told us that there's a lot of people that are looking for hope. Mm -hmm. And I think that, I think we have a church full of people that know what that hope is. There's strength and hope in our community. And they're also looking for relationship. Yeah. And so let's just let our lives be an answer for that. Let's go be intentional. Let's be relational. Um, if we need to, let's be interruptible. And let's all just reach one. That's my idea. I don't know. Felt like a good idea with the students. It's a great idea. <laughs> and uh, and, I, and I, I think it could be incredible what God could do um, in homes, in communities, in a church, um, in a region. And, and I think it, it could just be a really, really cool thing uh, that makes me really excited when I think about it. And it makes me want to keep chasing after Jesus when I know that other people are in the fight with me and you don't feel like you're doing it alone. And so, yeah. And that's why I love this church. That's why I love that being a domino is a part of our uh, a DNA and that it's something that if you're going to call yourself a member of the tabernacle, right? There's, there's so many moments where sometimes it's healthy, sometimes it's unhealthy. If what does it look like to belong to this family? Right. And I remember for, for the bishops, it was, there was, there were some things that we did that were, we were tough kids. We were big, we we're all that stuff. Right. But I think if you're going to be a part of the Tabernacle family, if you're going to call yourself a part of this family, you're going to be a domino. You're going to be a domino. Yeah. Yep. Whatever that looks like for you. That's how you're going to live your life. Yep. And it, and people might see it. It might be behind the scenes. Yeah. It might be on the down low, um, but God's going to use it and Absolutely. God's going to draw people to himself. Yep. So you could be right now at the Dublin General Store and you could be a domino. Swing you could be on the way to, to Dublin the Dub- Gen- yeah. General Store to buy some brats, get the jalapeno. Yeah. Uh, to drop off, I don't know, at T1 yeah, or in Manistee. Oh, I heard the Italian ones are good. The Italian ones? Do they, have some, they had some that I'm sure they're great because I've had the ones, but do they have like a blueberry one? Some crazy stuff Blueberry going on. inside of a brat? It's like 30 different brats. They're I would ju- try, but see, I like brats and I love blue, or I love brats and i love blueberries maybe those it's all Do they yeah, have a maybe ju- that's a love fest they have a jerky wall there that is longer than the distance i've ran total in my life <laughs> it's insanity <laughs> all the jerkies all the jerkies name it they got it are they, are they just northern michigan meats or are they all kinds of meats well like, do they import meats to make jerky out of no it's northern michigan meats okay. um but they there is one that i think is attached to the family somehow in grand rapids 
Nice. Where he's got like kangaroo and random crap like that. I don't even know kangaroo. Same. Not like They'll a good, throat punch you. Yeah. No. So they got summer sausage, snack sticks, and, you know, rumor has it, I've talked to some tradesmen um, around the Wellston area that says that's the best spot to stop for a hot lunch. Hot lunch. Yeah. There Chicken you go. strips, different stuff like that. So the so. Dublin General Store in Wellston. Can't beat it. Yeah. I might have to take a trip. Yeah. Maybe tomorrow it's my day off. Yeah. I'm thinking Can't about beat it. it. It'd be meats. crazy if there was somebody in that area that you knew that on your day off, maybe you and your son, Benji, could go shoot a turkey. Oh. And then after you killed that turkey, maybe get some lunch near their home. That might be amazing. Yeah, I think there's a guy out there that lives near there. Is he a gas man? Yeah, he's a gas man. Okay. I'll try to think of his name. Yeah, I think it's. I think it rhymes with Cole Bringled. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Are those his initials? Yeah, and I think he works for something that rhymes with uh, Fisher Propane. So oh, you maybe. See, yeah, yeah. If you see a goofy dude. Was that him. a Fisher Propane shout-out? Yeah. No free <laughs> shout-outs, Fisher no Propane. No free shout-outs. Yeah. No free shout-outs, but sweet. Well, thanks, John. Binge, Thank anything you, you want? Uh. I probably shouldn't say that. Just okay. <laughs> don't okay. Don't forget. Don't forget to subscribe. Yep. And like, and boom. Hit the bell icon. Hit the bell icon. <laughs> Just click it. Click it. You don't have to smash it. You don't have to slap don't have, it. Don't have to you slap don't, it. You don't have to slap it. Yeah. You don't have to poke it. Just push Just, it. Just click the Just button. Push the button. Yeah. Well Sweet. said. <laughs> so you get Love notified it. when every new episodes. time we publish. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Sweet. Well, Benji, thank you, John. Thank you. And until next time, Tab family. This is The Squad signing off.